0: This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know this it. I know. This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, I know and I know. Alright everybody, we have a very special guest today. A man who needs no introduction. He goes by Boston and Boston alone. That's pretty much the only way I've ever known you.
1: That's pretty much how everyone knew me.
0: What What is the, the root of that nickname? You're just from Boston.
1: So when I first came to town, the Stardust was the opening line. And they held a lottery because prior to the lottery, people would wait in line for like days. And uh, someone was uh, a little disappointed in someone trying to get back in line and pulled a gun out and said, that's my spot, motherfucker. So sure. they had to figure out a way to avoid gun shootings in the Stardust, and they came up with a lottery. So okay. you'd give your initials and throw it in a hat and they'd draw a, you know a position on a line. And obviously drawing first was good, you'd have first crack of the line. Uh, so I said, AD, that's my real initials, Devorkas. Yeah. Uh, and they said, "Where do you have an A.D?" I said, "What about Alan from Boston?" And so I was AB, and then I just became Boston. So
0: this is kind of perfect because I did want to work. Uh, you know, usually you start with the whole backstory of like who you are, how you got here, everything else, but I kind of want to work from current day backwards a little bit. Uh, let's go from misery to good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, just more so in in the sense that, you know, personally, I have a lot of interest in sports betting, but I don't do it at all. So I'm not that sharp on the market at all. And I think that, you know, a lot of the poker viewership is like that too. There's a huge crossover, right? So I think if we kind of like dig into, uh, you know, your sports betting career as a whole, and then kind of like work backwards to how you actually worked your way into it and things like that. It, it'll be interesting
1: for the... the it'll clients. be a very uh, sine cosine thing. Yeah. I assure you. <laughs> so
0: I guess like to start, you mentioned that uh, you know they used to do a lottery at Stardust in order to uh, basically place your picks, I'm assuming, right?
1: Yeah. They had the opening line. is obviously... They were opening a line cold. No one else in on the planet had a line. There were no computers to look yeah. at what everyone else had. Yeah. Yeah. So they had three guys who made lines and they put up lines and they were... And Pretty bad.
0: Right. The advantage of basically going first is that you get a good line and right. then it moves. I had first crack at it. Right, right, right. right. Okay. Which
1: I never, I never drew first. I was the unluckiest motherfucker in that, too. Uh, <laughs> but it didn't matter. I was betting everybody, so it did, really didn't matter. And yeah. sometimes people actually made mistakes and bet the wrong way. So, okay. you know, you occasionally would pick off something like that. But it, it, was, it was a... I, I really did feel privileged to be a part of it. That was like the, the heyday of, of sports betting in Las Vegas. Yeah, uh, And then when the island started becoming more relevant, Vegas became nothing. Vegas right, still right. is a good place to bet sports. Yeah. It's just not the place like it once was. Right. It's become so, more of a worldwide industry. So yeah, I, I came out here in 89 uh, because uh, I had to. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I had met a friend. I used to come out for the World Series of Poker every year. I came out starting in 83. Uh, a friend in New York says, you'll have a blast. And I wasn't a poker player. And Sure. And I had two choices of playing stud or hold 'em. So I chose stud, which was what 90% of the people played. Yeah. And I knew I was a sucker, especially when all the regulars were like following me around to get in the game. And it was at the golden nugget, uh, where stud was played. I think it was 3060. And they had must moves. And and I remember like one day I was like on the 13th must-move for the 3060, as we and and he did it very pure, it was must move to must move yeah. to must yeah, move, yeah, to yeah. must move. They did it sure. Real old school, which I think is actually the best way to do it. Uh and I sat down and played, and it took me about six years. And but then I got very good at it, and I'm not bragging, but I don't think there's many better. I played the 10K stud, and there was no one that, you know, maybe John Hennigan that yeah. was really in my league. And
0: okay, so that that makes sense, like how you transitioned into poker. I, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit to, uh...
1: but I am a sports better at heart.
0: Yeah. So this this is like what I really want to dig into first. Okay. Because uh, I know nothing. Right? Okay. So like I'm super interested in basically. Well, broad strokes. uh, What's the spectrum of your sports betting? Is it particular to college basketball? I know you're super big into that. Or are you just like looking to get action down on literally anything because you're a good judge of lines? Uh,
1: I bet college basketball first, college football second, and tennis would be what I would do during the COVID thing. Okay, I'm a huge tennis fan. If I watch it enough, I think I could could beat it. It's all logic to me. Uh, Back in the day, when I first came to Vegas, and I came out because I would met someone at the World Series. He said, "Come on out, we'll make money." And all right, I don't know what he means, but I uh, that summer I I created my own power ratings. Okay. And a power rating, let's 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 equate it to like a golf handicap. Mm-hmm. I told him about the starters lottery. I made I had the lines for the first week. There were only eight games. I said, uh, "Here's what I made him. Do what you want with him. And I remember one the the, the first game we bet was uh, Washington State plus six against Illinois. I had made it pick, and in fact, the game closed pick, and. I had, I had the wrong methodology in arriving at my power ratings, but I killed it that year. And mm-hmm. it was really obvious that I had a, a, a knack for doing this. And when I had that massive success in football, I just said, all right, well, fuck it. College basketball is, is much more relevant to me. I went, sure. I went to the Palestra every night. Mm-hmm. Right, I went to U Penn people. Back in the day, college basketball was, was a very, very cerebral sport to handicap. It was kids playing a game for the love of the game, and not because it was a billion-dollar TV contract. And if you want to go backwards, okay, my game, my game has has simplified a lot, a lot. My approach has simplified a lot, a lot. So, rule number one in sports betting is do not overreact. Uh, unlike in poker, if you see someone play a hand like a moron, he's probably a moron. Sure. In sports betting, if a team loses by fifty, they just had a bad day. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a golfer. And you are a scratch golfer, and you shoot 84. The next day you play, you're a scratch golfer. Right, right. You're not 12 strokes worse than you yeah, were. Yeah. Similarly, if a team loses by 50 as a two point favorite, it doesn't mean that they're any worse than they were. It's still those same players, right, playing together as a team. And so, that's that's my that's that's my analogy. Is 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 you have to avoid smoke screens. You have to uh, remember. This team is this good. That's mm-hmm. that's my main that's my main starting point. How yeah. good has this team been with this coach over the years? So to go to Pittsburgh when they ha- when Duquesne hired Keith Dambro, who was fantastic, I expected them to improve. So if I had a power rating of Duquesne between seventy four and seventy seven over the years, I would think with Dambro it would go to seventy nine to eighty two, something like that. Sure. And that that's that's kind of the very simple way of of me doing it. Yeah. Given the same coach and the same program, they tend to recruit the same players. They'll play within a certain golf handicap or within a certain power rating range. Right. Okay. So, and they won't deviate from that much. So no matter what scores. So
0: essentially you've basically made a livelihood off of being a professional handicapper.
1: I did well. Yes. Okay.
0: Now I guess I like, didn't do it with my
1: looks. I assure you. <laughs>
0: so I guess like explain to me a little bit more, uh, how this all shakes out mathematically. So, um, okay, you, you're, you're, you're largely doing this, uh, you know, like I don't want to say above board because it makes it sound shady, but you're doing it against the house. Who's charging a Vic. Right. Okay. So like how big of an edge can somebody who's like an expert handicapper, like yourself possibly possess to overcome the rake and then some.
1: Yeah. Uh, so you shoot for 56%, which is about four, you know, it's close to, I think it's around a 4% edge. I'm not a math guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I just sure, wing sure. it. I'm a pure it. logic guy. Okay. Uh, and 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 that's readily achievable. But remember, they have to put up a line in every game. Right. If I had to put up a line in every game, someone would beat me who knows what they're doing. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good my lines are; mm. they would probably beat me because mm. you you have to put a line up in every game. But I, I can only bet the ones I want. Right. Right. So you pick off the mistakes. Okay. Much like picking off mistakes when. Sure. That's that's kind of a good way to play poker. if you're going to that, make a mistake and attack it, right? So
0: that like neutralizes a lot of the vig that they're charging.
1: Well, hopefully, if I know what I'm doing, I'll, yeah, right, I'll pick 56. percent Or the last couple of years, I've actually killed it. Like, probably, I didn't keep track, but it was over 60% both the last two years. Yeah, and it's like the first time I had any pride in what I'm doing. To be, I think I'm an abject failure. But uh, even though it's probably, you know, you know, I'm king of college basketball supposedly. Uh, but you know, I just copped out doing it. Anyway, but the last two years, I'm really proud. Like, I had a couple bad years, and I realized that things had changed a little bit because it became a big business. Now, you're probably old enough to know when kids our age played a different sport in the fall, winter, and spring. Mm-hmm. Now they pick a sport and play it, right? Right, right, right So yeah. uh, where, where it became the love of the game, now it's a big business. Yeah. Uh, there's billion-dollar TV contracts. These kids are all in every point, every game. There's no more letdowns no more psychology and handicapping it it's just a pure numbers game now which would not typically be my strength yeah but realizing that and realizing home advantages have shrunk a little bit i can't explain why uh probably because kids are more comfortable with travel and playing 365 days a year you get more comfortable with everything and all right so someone's calling you a motherfucker in a crowd big deal right you know uh and and they're getting better at, at I used to think travel was probably the hardest part of it. But these kids are in such better shape now. Like basketball players didn't go to the gym when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, they're also getting like way better amenities. You know, yeah. they're not staying at a Motel 6. Right. They're, they're D1 athletes getting put up in the plush suites. Yeah, and...
1: plus the bonuses when they're recruited. Yeah. Uh so the games changed and actually simplified a lot. There's no more me looking for this is their home run game, this is a, a letdown uh, you know. It's it's just uh taking uh, that concept of the team's power rating staying within that golf handicap mm-hmm. and my main approach to betting sports is how does the game play out right. the reason that happens and unfortunately we have to go back to 1989 now is when i first started handicapping i had no computer sure so common what did i have what common for that time yeah there wasn't i don't even think there was a, per, a computer out in 89 that, that right. people had yeah, yeah i did buy one i think in 91 or 92 and mm-hmm. but even that though the internet was so limited i'll get to that in a second anyway uh, what did I have? I had a sports ticker. So I went to the Stardust every night, and I watched the sports ticker. They updated every game every five minutes. Mm-hmm. The games on TV, they'd update more often, but there was only one or two games on TV. Sure, uh, That's why ESPN's Monday night, Big East Monday night was such a home run. It was almost like the old Monday Night Football when that was the do-all, end-all. Uh, so I figured out that how the game plays out matters most. Right. That's all I had to work with. So, for instance, uh, Duquesne plays, uh, who's in their conference, Uh, George Washington. Mm -hmm. They win 80 80 The score at the half was 48-30, to Duquesne. And they win 80 or 80 whatever the hell it was. Uh, Now, take another game where UPenn is playing Yale, let's say, and the game is 40-all at the half. 55 all with five minutes to go and ends 62-60 or 82-80, mm-hmm. same two points, different way of getting there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Duquesne had 20 at the half or 18 at the half is far more impressive than a game that was just pick 'em the whole way. Right. This, this implications to be taken from that. Yeah, yeah. Duquesne is probably more than two points better. Better than the score reflects. Right. right. And that that's it. That's okay. it. That and a lot of just I do a lot of reading on the computer. I read how the, you know because I have no sports sticker in my house and so I read on the computer how the game plays out. Or you could just go and. Watch every second, every basket if you want to be a complete nut. But I have no algorithms. I have no computer. It's all in my head. I use three ring binders with lined paper and write everything down. I still do it the way I did it 32 years ago. (laughs) Fuck. Okay. That's really depressing. That's almost a me. That's depressing. Yeah, that's That's almost a you. That's close to a me um okay so like uh so that, yeah that that's that's how that that's where I'm at now I'm in Connecticut and I you know you can use there's all kinds of encrypted apps you can use right tell people what sure. I like and yeah, yeah, yeah and 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 they just bet I don't do any betting I, I it's 100% legal what I'm doing I'm just telling people what I like yeah and I then get that we figure out at the end of the year what I deserve yeah so and then I pay taxes
0: how, how much of your your livelihood in uh sports betting has been like Strictly business because, you know, from from the outside point of view, I and I feel like this is like an outsider's view of poker, too. There's a certain romanticism to uh, to sports betting. And I don't even necessarily mean that in uh, necessarily uh, a positive light. Right. We have this idea of, uh, you know, bookies breaking legs to collect debts and uh, you're you going know, way back. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, guys paying off athletes to to. To shape points or whatever yeah. the case may be. How much of that have you seen like throughout the
1: course of your sports betting career? None. Yeah. There was a rumor, uh, it's about eight, nine years ago that Troy State was uh dumping mm-hmm. and there was a lot of money bet against them a couple of games. But I kind of thought that when they told me they're dumping again and it was senior night, yeah, uh, I told the guy I told the guy I was working with. I said, "There's no fucking way they're dumping on senior night. Their parents are flying in from all over the world right. for to see their kids play one last basketball game. Yeah. They are not dumping tonight. Yeah, yeah. That's just pure horseshit." Yeah. And the game went from like one to six, and I unloaded on them. And of course, they lost by seven in overtime. And you know, Max Payne. Yeah, Max Payne, of course. And uh, so I was right, but I was wrong. And right. uh, but yeah, that that that's it, it, it's 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 too under the microscope now. They can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Even, even the, uh, the 1980 BC scandal, the quote unquote scandal. Yeah. Uh, that was very amateurishly done. There's a book called, uh, uh, the called fix. I think it's called that talked about that. I actually yeah. met, I actually hired a lawyer in Maine to help a friend get out of a mental institution, which I'm sure we'll get into Cause he was my, kind of my, I taught him poker and then he taught me poker. Uh, and he was part of the, Defense on the BC basketball fixing scandal, and he knew me because I was in a book called The Odds right. back in 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I finally got to meet him this summer. I drove up and met him this summer. I had never met him, and it was just uh, it was an amazing experience. If I do a podcast, I'll definitely interview him. It'll be a it'll be a home run. Yeah. But yeah, the, no. So there's no there's no fixing. These kids want to win. Uh, and 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 as far as bookies breaking legs, the bookies are the worst now. They don't pay. Right. Yeah. Back in the day there was honor. Yeah. That's kind of gone by the wayside in the modern world, sadly. Like honor is something you control, something you should be proud of, and something I've strived for because you can control it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't like me, but you're not gonna hear, you know, a Boston fucked me out of money or a Boston took advantage of anything. That ain't that you ain't gonna hear that. And that I'm proud of. And and that's really losing its way in the modern world, sadly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get that. uh So I kind of want to dig in a little bit. To so your character. so business. Yeah,
1: i a hundred percent bet. Yeah, I don't get paid for anything. I don't. I'll never be a tout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. F- someone of offered me a hundred thousand when I was dead broke. I I was stealing food to eat not long ago, and someone offered me a hundred thousand to to sell picks, and I told him I'd rather be homeless, this, and in fact <laughs> I might be, and and it was a true story. And but. I'll never sell out and do that. That's, that's that's what scumbags do.
0: I guess elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, like, like- so
1: touts, touts are people who can't win betting sports. So they set up these elaborate uh, manipulative approaches to getting people to buy their picks. Now, if they're so good at betting sports, they don't need to sell picks. They can just go bet their own. They can bet all you want. If you're good, you accumulate money fast. Yeah. You can bet big. You'll get someone to back you if you're good. People are constantly looking to back sports bettors. Sure. Sure. Uh, Something I'm not very good at asking about, but uh, yeah, if you have any talent at all, you don't need to be selling picks and, and the the methodology to
0: touting, where you just constantly have an influx of money is you just sell opposite
1: picks to half of your market, right I, I don't know if I don't know if that's done much, I think they actually do try to win, they just don't know what they're doing, sure, some are better than others, some are legit yeah they're, they're anomalies though, mm-hmm. like I said, there's no point in in being a tout, yeah, I mean. I had years where I made a lot of money. Like you know, yeah. I grew up in the hood, and I'm making you know a half a million a year betting basketball. Like right, fuck man, this is pretty cool. Yeah. For five months' work. Yeah, and there's no amount you could sell that for that would equate to a half a million. No, and it, but even even when broke, it's just it's just a cop out. It's just a sure. it's just a real sleazy, disgusting business because the person can't win. Right. Right. They're paying me, and they'd have. To, I I charge a lot. If I had a tout service, I would charge a lot. Sure. But now they have to pay 11 to 10 on their bet. They have to pay me. Right. And then they have to get down at at, at the price that I suggest. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm any good at it, there's going to be a mad dash to that number. Yeah, it's a market, right? It's like the stock market. Yeah. If there's a, a good report, everyone's trying to buy that stock. The price flies. Talk a talk a little bit more about that because this is something that
0: fascinates me. How how do high volume bettors like yourself get enough down whenever
1: you find lines that are favorable? You uh, so back when I did it with my partner from L.A., uh, we. I had three phones.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, there is a we used to run around Tom Betting. It was easy because it, yeah. it, it it didn't matter then. There was no computers to show it was around. Right when the computers when the Don Best screen came relevant or sports options, whichever one you chose to use, it showed what every place had for lines. So, but there were a lot of places that weren't on that Don Best screen. Mm-hmm. So obviously you bet them first. Right. Because it doesn't show on the screen, and then you just try to hit as many as you can on the screen at once. So he would take three, two or three. I would take two or three, and if I needed, if I really wanted to bet a battle lot, I'd have a help, friend, a friend help me. Mm-hmm. But typically, we could just bang it out because there were places that took you know five, ten thousand a game back then, and yeah. I'm not, I'm not that rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was you know. Don't tell me, don't get me wrong. I did I bet plenty, but but no, I, I think that's really it, it was important. easy to get down. Now yeah. now the market sucks. The market's very very
0: They cap it at a pretty low number now. Yeah, yeah. They,
1: they, there's one place now that that's trying to uh, save the industry. Uh, Circa. It's probably the reason I actually flew out here. I wanted to go talk to those guys. Mm-hmm. They're doing it right. Uh, I did a, a podcast on uh, on Vison and uh, I suggested that a future book, a future book is so this week at the PGA you can bet Justin Thomas to win and take 11 to 1 the places in Vegas will probably offer like eight or seven to one on, on Justin Thomas and mm-hmm. nine or 10 to one on Rory McIlroy and 11 to one on, on DeChambeau and, and 12 to one on Kepka. They're completely fucking you yep. because there's no, no, right? Circa, when they heard me say the only future book is a yes, no, went with the yes, no future book. And mm-hmm. in fact, I give them a shit ton of bets on, and if I had a lot of money out here, I would be betting no's. Let's say you bet 20 no's you win 19 bets. There's only one winner. You're right. already 19 bets winner. Yeah. How good is that? Yeah. yeah. Right? right? So they, it, it, I think their future book will be a massive success. And I think the whole, their whole approach where they under, all right, so let me, let me take one step back. Here's why the market's gone bad. In the old days, a, there were bookmakers. There's an art to bookmaking. If Berkey goes yep. and makes a bet, that's $1,000 on Duquesne minus three. It's Berkey. I'm just going to leave it three. Sure. If Boston comes up and bets Duquesne minus three, all right, we'll move it to four or four right. and a half. Yeah, There's yeah. an art to knowing your customer, knowing you know what what you should move the market to. Now they all look at the screen, and whatever's on the screen, they put up. It, well, so it, it doesn't I, matter I, what their what their balance sheet looks like.
2: Right.
0: It's, it's, oh, okay. It's so, so fucking retarded. That's that's what I was up with the impression of that it was a reflection of
1: where the it public money was. Public money has no influence on anything. Really? It's all smart money, yeah. Okay. The so public basically, has, the public has sharp, no money.
0: Where the sharp money comes in, that's what alters lines yes. one way or the other. 100%.
1: Okay. And and, 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 and again, you know, number one, I never told anyone what I liked unless it was a real close friend, and I thought it was a really special game. So my mm-hmm. games weren't broadcasted all over the world. It was me and my partner, and that's it. Yeah. And occasionally, like I said, I'd, if I thought there was something that was really good, I would tell my buddy who, who did his own work. I didn't want to yeah, y- yeah. You know, uh, get him off something he was doing. But if I like something a lot, it usually won, so... This sounds like vaguely
0: familiar to like what we saw with uh, the movie 21, where in order to beat the, the casino at Blackjack, so much like anonymity had to be applied where, you know, you're just trying
1: to get action in long enough without them catching yeah. on and adjusting. I mean, it's a I, little yeah, bit no, different. No, no, but, I know. I just despise those guys. They're a bunch of fucking rats. Yeah, rat. they're, I, I, they're I get They're a bunch it, of but, fucking rats. That's all. Uh, I understand. But there, but were I guess, people, there were people who did far more creative shit than they did. Sure. 20, 30 years early. I can't even... I heard stories that would just blow your mind about what these blackjack guys did. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or cheaters. Yeah, but,
0: I, I guess uh, that, that's just the most famous example. But just I guess. I didn't, I didn't any, see the
1: movie, and nor would I. And, yeah, yeah.
0: Just any collection of... I was nice uh, to
1: Jeffrey Ma when I did his podcast, though, so...
0: <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just thinking, like, if you sent me in as opposed to you going in and placing the bet yourself, it, it, you In know. some ways, yeah.
1: I, right. I try to hide what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That's what Billy Walters did. That was his whole goal, was to try to hide what he was doing. Right. But, you know, he was betting millions. Like, yeah, yeah. I worked for him for for years.
0: Uh, I saw a piece on him. Sixty Minutes. Maybe it, it was either Only. sixty. Uh, no, I feel like it was a documentary. Um, I'll, I'll have to. I, w- I wish I was a little bit more prepared because I think it was an ESPN documentary. It may have been. Uh, he may have
1: been mentioned, but he was on Sixty Minutes. That's okay. A, he he does not put his name out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then he and then he got fucked over by the government for the ninetieth time, and they created some case against him. But I, we're not going to go there. Sure. He's out. He's home and under house arrest and has some medical issues it's probably good that he's out but he was my boss and yeah a lot of people don't like him but we got along great uh yeah
0: i guess for those at home who aren't familiar like uh what's he most famous well he's the biggest sports, sports. probably the
1: biggest sports better in the world yeah he's certainly the most successful he revolutionized how 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 to get down on bets mm-hmm. he would send out all kinds of fakes yeah to try to get people off his back. Mm-hmm. Cause if he lays, let's say he lays three on a game and everyone knows it's a big bet. And the game goes to six or six and a half. The next time that team played that he bets on the, the line maker is going to adjust. Right. And he's going to get screwed out of a half a point or yep. maybe even a point, which is just a shit ton. Yep. A half a point is the world. Right. Right. In, in basketball, mm-hmm. uh, worth way more than, than I think people realize, uh, which is why I like to buy half points. Uh, computers kind of say otherwise, but, but, Anyway, again, i not going to get into that. But he, he was so successful that everyone wanted to know what he was doing. Okay. So how do you counter that? Well, you, I, I remember calling him one day. I said, well, how's today going? He said, well, Red, I just bet every game on the board. Some real, some not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Go figure out which ones are the real ones and which ones aren't. And, right. And that's how – that's so he, 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 he found I, – I told him this story the other night, and he, he just laughed his ass off. I said, you know – There was an NCAA tournament. I walk into the Palms like 1 o'clock in the morning because I'm trying to be anonymous. Yeah, yeah, right. Right? 1 o'clock in the morning at the Palms. Seems like a good time to go. And there's this couple. The guy's got a nice suit and tie on, holding his wife in his hand. He's got a little list in his hands. And his first bet out of the box is Holy Cross plus 26. They're playing Kansas. And I, I love that side. And... I said, you know what? I immediately knew it was you. And now I want to like, listen in and see what you, you know, he's doing because Mr. Walter's stuff was really good. Yeah, I, I'm good, but his stuff was really good. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, he just laughed his ass off because for sure it was one of his people. right? You know? right. And they might have even given him extra because he might have been a customer of the, yeah. a big baccarat player. He, you know, he tried to recruit them. And mm-hmm. he did anything he could to try to get bets down.
0: Yeah. So it's just like any other gambling market. You know, VIPs kind of rule the world and everybody else is just kind of at their beck and call. But they wouldn't take
1: two cents from Mr. Walters if they knew it was his.
0: Right, right, right. Well, even he, though you should, he's the sharp. The people right, he's hiring to right. place are the VIPs. Right. Yeah, it's, it's very similar in the the poker sense, right? It's like the the elite players they're going to struggle to get into games, but if they can offer up a VIP, suddenly a game forms, and you know, gotcha. It's uh, we're all exchanging I would, I would EV know about that, <laughs> right? We're all we're all just exchanging EV at the end of the day. Um. Okay. So. uh my last question was sports betting, and then I kind of want to dig in a little bit to uh, just your character, your, your your past, and how you got to this point. Um, what type of volume does a sports bettor need to be putting in in order to have, like, a sustainable li- livelihood?
1: A lot. A lot more than you a lot more Like than seven you figures worth of bets a year, more yeah. or less? Yeah, well, I mean, figure it out. I mean, if you have a 3% edge mm-hmm. and you bet X number of dollars, that's what you figure to win. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. So you're talking
0: about... Uh, Oh, we used, we, used to bet, we used to bet
1: millions and millions. Right, right. But I, I actually wasn't even as good back then as I am now. It's really, it's really, I don't know what happened. Yeah. The last two years I started, I, I'll tell you what, part of the reason it happened is I, is, so I, I was, I was basically laying dead in Connecticut playing 2040 stud. That's why I moved to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I stud there and I'm a stud player at heart. Uh, and a friend calls me and said, would you be interested in betting football and basketball? Fuck yeah! Yeah. Well, this guy had met me in Vegas 30 years ago. He's in Costa Rica, and I call him up and we talk for a while. He called his friend, who do you do? You, do you know Alan Boston? needs to know, but I know someone that does, who called this guy, and now he called me, and now I call the original guy, and we. I, I said, "Listen, you know, I'll do college football for next to nothing because I'm not that good at it." Yeah. But when college basketball comes, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk again. Mm-hmm. But this guy was very fair. And and you know we worked out something I thought was kind of amenable. It was probably too low for what I'm worth. Sure. But when you're sitting there, you know, stealing food to eat, and you want to feed your Great Dane, you yeah. you, you 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 know, you take a little, the worst of it. Yeah. Uh, which still wasn't the worst, but I still could have made a couple hundred thousand. I mean, it wasn't like I was, you know, uh, uh, destitute. Yeah. And and he would give me money every month to live on to make sure I didn't have to worry, which is smart. Right. Uh. But the guy followed me on Twitter, and that's how I, I used to occasionally tweet games and i remember i remember one day on twitter i we had gotten down the night before uh on everything and i was and and and, and finished it off in the morning and it's like six in the morning and i just tweet like nine games and i said this is what i like people you know for better or for worse and i i very really tweet but this mm-hmm. felt like a good day and and i was having a pretty good run and uh one by one so I remember like West Virginia plus four against Texas Tech. So we're in conference. So it's probably January or February. Uh, and now the game goes to five and a half. Like that doesn't happen too often with me. I'm yeah. usually, they call it closing line value. Yeah. By the way, I'm a believer that I don't want closing line value, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. And, and you'll, this will resonate with you okay. as a poker player. Sure. Uh, everyone wants CLV, they call it, closing line value. Because if you lay three and it closes five, you have a good bet. Mm-hmm. In theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The market says the line should be five. You laid three and eleven to ten. You've made a very good bet. Yep. Mr. Boston doesn't necessarily think that's what you want, but uh so I take four and now the game's five and a half. Like, what the fuck's going on? And one by one, every game I tweeted that day went the other way. Mm-hmm. And now I now I talked to my new boss. I said, So there was a day that I happened to go like eight or nine and 0. Oh, uh, but every game went against me to start. And he just laughed. He said, "Yeah, that was me." I said, "I thought so." <laughs> I said, "We'll get along just fine." Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we do. We still talk. Yeah. Uh I, I once I had money on my own. I'd rather bet my own money than have sure, someone back of course, me, of course, uh, even if it's for less. Mm-hmm. It just, it just feels right. Yeah, it's nice to win money for other people. But what he, what Roger found, let's call him Roger, uh, he found this group called Three Man Weave, and they had previews that were extraordinary. Mm-hmm. They had. A modern approach, which I don't have at all. In other words, looking up, uh, what's that site everyone looks at for stats? I forget. Uh, anyway, you know, uh, synergy and, and, and all these things that show all these percentages, which, by the way, mean nothing because they're all statistically irrelevant. Uh, but people think that the will do all end all. all right. Anyway, but they wrote it with like an old school flair. Mm-hmm. So I was like really intrigued. And I read their previous. that these guys are phenomenal. They really know their shit. So the weakness in in my game is I take a very general view to what the team's golf handicap or power rating should be. Mm -hmm. I know it's going to be kind of between this range. But when they lose four starters off a team, I always felt the point point guard was the most important. If they kept the point guard, I wouldn't deviate too much. Uh, But what about the guys that are coming in now? These kids knew how good the players were. So the first year, we didn't really get into it much. But the second year, in particular, I said, listen, we're going to go over every team. I'm going to tell you what this team typically plays to. You're going to tell me how good the players are. And we're going to come up with a starting rating. And and, and and so let's say you start a half a percent better on your rating. Multiply that out by 30 games on 350 teams. Mm -hmm. And you've just hit a fucking home run, right? And that's what happened last year. We won... In two weeks, in two weeks, I was done with my guy because he we, he won so much money. He got stiff for some obnoxious amount of money. He couldn't bet till like late in the day, and I said I tried it for a couple of days. I said, "Sorry, I can't do this. Yeah. It's not fair to me. I'm still doing all the work, yeah. but now I'm not getting down on anything." Yeah, right. So I went and did it on my own with a friend, and and went from there. But uh, where was I going with this? Anyway, so what happened the last two years was I had better starting prices because I was willing to listen to kids that know their shit. Yeah. And, right, you always want to get better. You've you got to throw your ego out, out the window. Yeah. And uh, I had never done that before. I, I'm entirely self-taught and everything. I never read one thing about poker. I never read one thing about sports betting. I just want to figure it out on my own. Yeah. I don't want to – if you're learning from someone else, you're probably always second best. Sure. So why not try to figure out something on your own? Mm-hmm. And in poker, I certainly did that. I yeah. certainly play stud way different than everybody. And, and the people I've taught are like, wow, that's really cool. And, yeah, and I'm right uh and a no one would hold him i I think what i was doing 10 years ago is is starting to get a little more in vogue now but again this is a kid who went who became bipolar and just went nuts but bipolar kids going nuts sometimes their brains expand if anyone watched homeland she went off her meds to try to solve a case because her mind would expand uh and this kid went from a very average intelligence to a genius and just completely flipped around the wheel Mm -hmm. uh so that was kind of cool uh coming up with some creative approach to poker i thought that would Resonate with you. Yeah. I uh, mean, so back, and, and one final point why I don't think CLV is good. If you're doing what everyone else is doing, it's not sustainable. Right. If I take three and the game goes to five and I win, I'm going to be rich the rest of my life because mm-hmm. I'm doing something that they're not and I'm doing it better. Sure. So I'm not a big CLV guy. I'd rather have everything go against me. I've won almost every year. So I've lost one year, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like I know what I'm doing. And yeah. When I did that, Jeffrey Maher and Rufus Peabody was a very famous sports better. I mean, Jeffrey Maher went to MIT and Rufus went to Yale. You know, I went to Penn, but they're, you know, they're, they're in a different league. Right, right. Uh, And at the end of the show, they're talking about, like, how my mind, like, does what a computer does. Like, and they were, like, saying, when you're dealing with really smart people like Alan, like, that was it. That's the first time I felt any pride in what I've been doing. Because yeah. to me, I'm a complete cop-out. Like, I'm just playing it totally safe. That's the irony. I got all my money out there, but it's playing it safe for me because it's something I'm very comfortable with. Sure.
0: Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, what you describe or the way you describe your approach, it's very much a lot of what we saw in the evolution of poker too, where there's the old school feel player versus the new school game theory optimal player. And And the truth of the matter is that both are absolutely necessary. Even if you look at the algorithms that are created to kind of solve a complex game like poker, it lacks a lot of nuance. Right. And both the field player and the algorithmic approach start from a broad scope spectrum. And then they continually hone in on the nuance as the parameters become more and more precise. Okay. So like a lot of what you're describing with what you're able to do in handicapping is similar to like my outlook on poker. If you take a 10,000 foot approach, and you have like fairly reasonable certainty on, um, you know, the 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 I guess broad strokes of what it is that you are uh, identifying. Be it a spot in poker or be it a matchup in uh, a, a basketball situation, right? Like you can just look at the broad strokes and say, like, okay, I rank this team slightly higher based on these, th- this, 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 and this, right? Th- right. These are broad stroke right. facts. Somebody who's good with the algorithmic approach can then drill into that, right, and and really hone in on why you're right. And I think like marrying those two things together is a lot of what you're experiencing now. It's being able to put a, a, a rhyme to your reason, a method to your madness, you know.
1: So, just just to go one step further, all I do is just pure logic. When I play poker, it's pure logic. Mm-hmm. And and and. Rather than what they might have, I figure out what they don't have. Sure, like this is what the kid taught me. The kid three bet almost his entire range, and people talk about balance. Well, if you three bet everything, you're balanced, right? I not, I, th- I mean, not kind totally of sure. Well, well how are, how are you not? Balance is is misunderstood. So
0: uh, the, the the real definition of balance is that you have a distribution of hands.
1: Right. I no, I understand.
0: Yeah, but but it's it's over the aggregate, right? So like uh, me having equal parts three deuce offsuit and right. aces doesn't equate to balance, right? Right. Because having 16 combos or even six combos of three deuce dilutes my equity more than having like, you know, two combos of three deuce and six combos of aces. So like true balance is uh, finding the equity threshold necessary for the spot, and then adding in as many hands necessary to kind of like hit that point.
1: But I think if you three bet your entire range, Mm -hmm. it's the same, right? Given that you're gonna, if you if you're willing to play all these hands, and the kid played a wide well, range, of, the kid played then, a wide range of hands.
0: Yeah, it probably worked back then because the counter response was fallible. Right. So if if he's playing against the computer, he'll get destroyed because the computer will respond through a proper four bet frequency, a proper calling frequency, right. a proper folding frequency. But if you're against humans who implement very poorly and they like never four bet. Now you get to realize
1: all of that equity of right. all those hands. And, that, that, yeah. was, that was the idea back then, especially yeah. playing really deep. Right. Where you make a small three bet and you learn, you learn the whole world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and That was his idea. I mean, yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure he would have evolved over the sure. years if he, if he wasn't dead now. Hey, but, 10
0: years but, ago, and even, even today, aggression wins, right? So it's like, at the end of the day, that small price that he's paying in order to gain initiative is worth a whole lot against players who are playing poorly.
1: Right, and even even good players had a hard time with him. Yeah. He, he, he looked to check raise more than C-bet, where C-betting was like the do-all-end-all. All. Right. Right, and and we also made real small bets, because it was just, so I when, I, when I, I won't get into poker too much, because I really don't know much about it, but my whole approach to No Limit, and again, this is what I taught myself, and I wanted to play deep, because it's much more cerebral playing deep than sure. just try to get it in. Like Yeah, for sure. So I started off with a thesis of, well, if we're playing super deep, we can't get stacked, but we still have to be able to stack them. Yep. That was my thesis. So what do we do with that? I'm a limit poker player. Let's try to make small raises, mm-hmm. small three bets, small continuation bets, even small check raises. Mm-hmm. Try to define the hand and then figure out, but when we define the hand, if we're going to be able to bluff them or not, yep. or whether we just have the best hand or not. Yeah. And that, that's it. Yeah, and that, that's a perfect example of the 10,000-foot approach
0: where uh, you know, everything you're saying has some merit, and if you drill down into the actual game theory of what you're saying – we can actually really formulate a well developed why. But, you know, when the game's soft, you don't need that why. Right. That's my battle. And that, that, that's the big difference, right? Like, and I'm saying like, I can't help myself. Yeah. Right. I think now that's, that's probably what you're experiencing in sports betting is that as you've matured and you've brought in that outside help that's really focusing on the why by drilling down into the metrics, you are getting much more proficient at your own craft because it's, it's, it's giving you better direction.
1: Right. It's cutting out the white noise of your own mind. I started off better the last two years because I had these kids previews to talk, to read the first year and to talk to them personally the second year. Right. And that made the world a difference. Yeah. And I had more faith in what I was doing. When yeah. you, win, you, you know, if yeah, you, have, you sure. don't have faith for in sure. what you're doing, you're, you're fucked. Right. And where a lot of, I often have a subconscious drive to make a bet where I've made the game three and the line is three, but I know three is wrong. Yeah. And now, if you're losing, you have to trust something you can't even verbalize.
0: Modify. Exactly.
1: Right? And now, you're just screwed. Yeah. But when you're winning, fuck it. Let's lay three. My gut's tell me to lay three. Maybe I can figure out why, mm-hmm. my, what my gut's telling me. Yeah. Because yeah. your gut is just some memory you saw from before. Yeah, yeah. It's subconscious, some, for sure. Yeah. It's, 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 it mirrors something you saw in the past. Like, this game won at some other point in my life. It might even be from 1990. Yeah. That's... That, that, that's
0: what's really hard for the uh, the, the theory based community in any sort of math based element be it sports betting gambling poker whatever is that there's this unconscious learning that we can't quantify but we as humans are really good at acting upon it correct right and and it's like or not so good yeah or not so good yeah. uh, I mean I I truly think that we're really great stereotyping uh, machines right we're very good at uh, sizing up our environment and knowing what's a threat, and destroying it, that too. But also just like knowing how to exploit it, <laughs> destroy it or make it better. We still know how to exploit it. Yeah. Great. Right. And I think that that's like, kind of, that speaks to gut feeling that speaks to intuition that that's really just an unconscious.
1: It's the threat. highest level. Yeah. It's the highest level of thinking. Yeah. And if you're just a pure math guy and don't have any gut at all, or don't have any sense of, of table dynamic. Right. And, and, and I think the other problem a math guy would have, and correct me if I'm wrong, is if I'm sitting here three betting you every hand, you have to attack, play me different than someone who three bets only the nuts, right? I mean, yeah. and they have that in their It, thing it, or should, it
0: should be logic out. Uh, you, you should know like what the boundaries are versus a sane opponent. So it's not like it's not like this is absolutely the right way to do it. No. They have a, a, a range of... The, the quote-unquote absolute is based on the parameters entered, and okay. your parameters are obviously set differently if you're three betting me with
1: every hand. Right. right, which I probably would change as soon as i floor betting me, but that's that's beside yeah, the point. Yeah, exactly. Again, exactly. it's it's a constantly ebb and flow. I, I agree. So with what, you. what what why you know I know math might be good to know, but I, I don't I don't know how they win. It, I, I well, really it, it's it's to create that concrete spine
0: that you're always moving left or right. So up. it's just your
1: foundation. Yes. you could you can get creative from there. Absolutely. And that, the
0: GTO guys do that. No not okay. enough, but, but the, <laughs> that's what I thought, but right? the best of the best do. Okay. Right. So like the, the, the overall or the overarching narrative may be stick rigid to game theory, but the best of the best, I understand that game theory is a study and the actual implication or, or implementation rather is, uh, the creative creativity that blossoms off of that. Right. There, there's no lines to color within. There's just this foundation born off of theory that we study in a vacuum. And when we move outside of that vacuum into a real world scenario, now it's on us to enter the parameters. And we have to be good enough to move left or right of that foundation to say like, well, this is going to make more money in this particular instance.
1: The only thing I've ever said on a two plus two poker poker podcast, which I'd done several times, uh, besides giving some stud hands that were pretty cool, Mm -hmm. uh, was I thought people got too wrapped up in trying to learn from others. The computers got better, right? I'm sure the computers tell you different now than what they did 10 yep, years ago. 100%. Right? They've evolved too. Chess is a perfect example of this. Yeah, Stockfish
0: exactly. 1 compared to Stockfish 12, it's right. it's not
1: even close. Like, it will destroy one another. So I told, I told the 2 Plus 2 audience, I said, be willing to get out there and do something on your own. If yep. you come up with some creative way to bluff a hand, try it. If it doesn't work, you just lost a little bit of money. But at least you're trying to do something different. Because... Like I said before, if you're just copying someone else, you're fucking second best, man. And why do you ever want to be second best? Well,
0: that's kind of the beauty of these solvers now is that we can try stuff and then test it. So we can test under what what parameters it actually is profitable to make this play. So it's cool to get positive. But it's still player dependent, isn't it? Yeah, but that's that's what sets the parameters. Okay. Right? So okay. like I got you. I understand. Uh, we, we it's really put, foreign to me. I am yeah. just I'm
1: just a free-thinking uh,
0: uh, effectively just think human. of it as a, uh, the the simplest version is think of it as a calculator.
1: No, I got it. I understand. Yeah. I understand what you're saying.
0: And we're just plugging digits you into You you would
1: put different parameters in for a good player versus a bad yeah. player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I know my buddy does that, right?
0: Yeah, it's really fascinating in that regard because it does give us some sort of feedback. The the trap I guess is whatever you just buy into it as as bible. That's always the trap, right? right? That's what I was trying to advise People against. People are desperate for answers. Instead right, of better no, questions, right, right, yeah. awesome, yeah. yeah. So I knew we'd get along. Not a great segue, <laughs> but uh, I do, I do want to dig into um, you know more of you as a person because I, I find you fascinating. First of all, well, thank you. Um, but you were fun to play with too. But secondly, I was terrified of you when I first met you. So I, I kind of want to like. I'm five
1: foot eight, 185 pounds. I'm highly terrifying.
0: Yeah, but like you know, you're also like what what ten years my senior, give or take
1: more. Okay.
0: You're not in your 50s, are you? No, no, no. I'm, I'm 62 this month, man. You're 62? Yeah.
1: Wow. No. You don't look it. I would have given you 54. I'll tell you what, I got caught at a 50. But when you when you, go through, uh, when you go from being a millionaire to being broke, you age very quickly. That's fair. So I, I, <laughs> I've gotten older. That's I can understand. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no,
0: you have like this certain intimidating presence. And you kind of spoke about this on the onset. You said you consider yourself an abject failure and that, you know, there are a lot of people that don't like you. And I, it's weird because I find you quite likable. But I can completely understand, like, how that misconception occurs. Because at first, oh. I was like, you were the guy at the table I didn't want to piss off. I didn't want to look at cross-eyed. Like, I just thought... <laughs> I have crazy eyes. I just thought you were an angry dude. Like, I thought you were an angry dude. I thought you were a D-Gen who's in the sports book all the time, coming off fire in a poker. And, like, you lost a hand. You were
1: very East Coast, which yeah. I appreciate. All right. But so I, 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 I'll, I'll say this uh i I think one day you told me that i kind of paved the way for a lot which like wow how the fuck does he know that like yeah so before the odds came out Mm -hmm. that was the book i was in yeah yeah. gamblers were thought of and if anyone's ever seen the movie california split and you must see it if you haven't seen it, it's the greatest gambling movie of all time it's not even close like there's nothing even in this league i was supposed to host california split night when the circle opened but they the COVID thing is kind of like ruining it. Yeah, of course. So next year I'm going to host a California Split Night there and I, I'll encourage all the comments. It's an amazing movie and I met the writer, talked to him for an hour. It's an unbelievable movie about gambling. Uh, pre-odds, gamblers were overweight, whiskey chugging, cigar chomping guys who held out smoke-filled rooms all night yeah. went to the racetrack during the day. Yeah. Now, the odds comes out, I'm an Ivy League grad who goes to the gym every day and is wildly successful. Yeah. So, the whole idea of what a gambler is changed with the odds yeah, yeah and i'm sure most of the good poker players are smart yeah Maybe. for sure we've yeah. seen
0: a huge huge shift in the community in the last 15 20 years i would say um where it used to be cheetos and weed and now it's more
1: like grass juice and right and i but i was uh, again i'm not a braggart i'm just i'm it's just a fact i was no, kind of like it. the first guy that that knew the gym no, you important. were definitely an intimidating Oh, I was Four, an animal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I had like, a for 25 years and yeah, you beat were the living crap out of me every great day. Great shape. Yeah, never ate a wrong thing. Oh, uh, I used to always lift my shirt up and wipe my face, <laughs> Yeah. Not anymore, but... <laughs> I mean, you're 62. You get a break. Yeah, yeah. I, I, also, I also stopped going to the gym. I, was, I also felt sorry for myself when the shit hit the fan and... and uh, so you know, I guess let's dig into that a little bit because you... you, you all right, you. So I come out here and you want to go backwards or forwards?
0: I want to go backwards because you're, you're telling me that you consider yourself an abject failure and I don't see that at all. Like, you're successful at what you do. You've been doing this for a very long time. I assume it was a choice. You know, you're an Ivy League grad. You could have done whatever you wanted.
1: I, I didn't know that. Okay. That's just that I didn't know that. I I, I was really naive. Mm-hmm. Uh, So I became a gambler and we're going to have to go forward and then we'll go backwards. That's fine. Yeah. So this, is, this will be a little painful, but we'll do it. Uh, so I want to be a baseball player, which is... Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah, I know. Still do. And had crazy talent for it. But at 13, my parents split. Okay. And also at 13, unfortunately, having an IQ can cause problems. I understood that we're mortal. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be thinking about that when you should be thinking about girls. Right. You shouldn't be thinking about the fact that this might all be just a complete shit show and useless and irrelevant. Sure. Unfortunately, I did. Mm-hmm. And that couple with my parents' breakup, I was a fucking mess. I mean, I had a high tears nonstop. I went to high school. It seemed like just a bunch of bullshit to me. Uh, they were mostly stupid people doing mostly stupid things. I did have some really good teachers, don't get me wrong, but I just didn't want any part of anyone near me. Yeah. Get away. Yeah. yeah. So I really was able to wall everyone off. I mean, you know, I'd go out on a date once in a while. You just almost had to, but. I was very good at suppressing everything. Now what? My dad went to the racetrack. He took me to the harness races. I fell in love with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now here's a place I can go to challenge my mind and maybe yeah. make a few bucks. Yeah. And it was, I loved it. And and, and it, it it occupied time. Uh, when I went to Penn, when I went to the Palestra to watch a basketball game, basketball's the only sport I didn't play. You know, like short Jews usually aren't basketball players. It's sure. not, their, not their gig. Uh, but... I'm watching like uh, this point guard for Duquesne, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first game I went to was LaSalle-Duquesne. They all, all the Philly schools played at the Plester back then. Uh, and the point guard for Duquesne was Norm Nixon, rather. Good player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, played years for the Lakers. Great player. And like, wow, who's this guy? And, and the whole, this is 1976. And there's this whole basketball world in front of me. I get to watch these amazing games every night. There was a column in the New York Daily News that I bought every day that showed what the lines were. The guy made picks based on those lines. Now, you couldn't get a score on a game in 1976. So now, how do these people, these... So on quote-unquote, they're called wise guys. Yeah. The guys who picked winners in basketball. How the fuck do they know who's going to win? You can't even get a score on a Wichita State-Missouri game if you're in Maine. Right. So how do they know who's going to win? So I'm totally intrigued by all this. Like I'm, And, and I think I developed... A lot of instinct just by watching those games and being aware of what the point spread was because this had to happen somehow. I, yeah, I, yeah. I just didn't yeah. stumble into being some wizard sure. at picking sports. I had to have some foundation. What were you studying at the time? I was a biological basis behavior major who should not have been at school. Okay. I did graduate. Yeah. I learned how to write. I did, I did learn that. I wanted to be a movie critic. The first course, first course I signed up for was reviewing criticism. Siskel and Ebert were like my heroes. Yeah. I met Roger Ebert too and Told him about a movie that i thanked him for and he went crazy it was a great moment in life uh but anyway uh so in 1981 a book called the handicapper by robert kalich came out the first two pages of that book is this guy who has this like manic influx of phone calls and he's getting all this information from all these people all over the country and i'll be modern and say he puts it into his internal database and he winged out the winners mm-hmm. and i said i want to be that guy one day sure so when i moved to Vegas in '89, that's sort of became that guy. I, yeah. I I really have done well as a basketball handicapper, and, I, and I'm respected in the sports betting world community as a handicapper. Maybe not as a human being, but as a handicapper. Why do you
0: say that? Why Why do you say not as a human being? I'm,
1: I'm brutally honest, and and it offends a lot of people.
0: I I always consider that very East Coast. I, that's that's how I refer to it. Like I'm used to. I that. don't
1: know. I don't even know why people would lie. I don't even understand it. Yeah, you know, and and and, but sometimes it's it's a little too. Direct or abrupt, yeah, or may come across as being spirited mm-hmm. when, in fact, I'm just trying to help yeah and and well, i I think, and I have a difficult time dealing with with stupidity, and maybe don't react to it too good sometimes, having lived out here for twelve years now, I definitely notice
0: a huge cultural change, and, and you know I'm from Pittsburgh it's not exactly east coast, but it's northeast it's it's not a far
1: cry, a lot of people from Pittsburgh out here,
2: yeah,
0: and yeah, you know the culture and, isn't all that different uh, a lot of Pittsburgh is born off of New York City immigrants anyway. Um, and I just noticed that there's a huge cultural shift where out here everything's fluffy. You know, everything comes with a sweetener of sorts. So every bit of truth that you get comes with a nice little pillow that you can rest your head on and, and feel good about. And that's like not how I grew up. You know, we we busted balls. Uh, you, you told people how it was. That's right. And I I have a lot of respect and admiration for that level of transparency and people who can be that direct. But I also find it to be uh, a bit of a net negative in my own personal traits, in the sense that there is some sort of you know demonstration of of just being human or or showing like some level of empathy by giving people the truth with a with a side of dessert, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I I, I, str- I struggle with that. Yeah. I, me too. Hence not being liked. Right. Right. Me too. And I you know I, I'm a very polarizing figure as well and i understand that it's a byproduct of this uh and you know also it's a byproduct of always having a megaphone you just have twitter at your fingertips at any given time if you just want to be truthful to twenty thousand people who are watching you just do it you know what i mean and uh the problem is is whenever you start to treat your close inner circle the same way and like for me that's where i found that uh i i have the most struggle because i'm just used to dropping truth bombs it's like oh you fucked up you just say that yeah it's like it's okay you're allowed to fuck up. We're all right. human. You fucked that's up.
1: That's right. But like you know, let's acknowledge it. You. you fucked up, and that's hard for people. But you can say how how can I help? Yeah. You know, that, yeah, yeah. That would be the the second part. Right, to that. Right. right, right. Yeah, yeah. I like you know, my, I knew my friend was being dicked around by this girl, and he, when he was out here, I said, you know, she's she's trying to have a kid with you, and, and you know, you have good genes, and she wants them and she's older, and her time 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 is whittling down. I said, she's no good. She's rotten to the core. Like, and he had a hard time hearing that. Yeah, and that's hard. Thankfully, eventually, they did break up. Yeah. And, and, you know, I won't get into it, but but certain things happened where, you know. Anyway, but I'm trying to help him by saying that. I'm yeah, not yeah. trying to be a mean-spirited prick. I'm right. saying this is not going to work out. You can't have a vase thrown at your head. You're way too chill. You're way too nice a kid. You're so yeah. pure. Like, there's no way any girl should ever do that to you. And- I think it's a
0: patience thing, right? Like, when when you grow up with a certain level of of uh i guess like self-understanding and you know in your instance like you're wildly intelligent so like a lot of things around you just come naturally it's easy to identify mistakes right and maybe yeah. this speaks to your sports handicapping as well like you can just identify a mistake pretty clearly so like if you see something wrong why mince words but the human element doesn't like really allow for that very
3: well
1: you the know good I mean? news is i've gotten better and you probably will too yeah sure yeah. i have that to practice for the next yeah. th- 30 years <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I have gotten better. I'm. Yeah, yeah. but I think that reputation has probably stopped me from having a job on ESPN or. Sure. There's no one out there that could that could analyze a game. You know, they have all these touts on all these shows, but they don't know fucking jack shit about sports betting. Do you see that market growing
0: and expanding now that sports betting is becoming this billion-dollar above-board industry? I don't think it's. I
1: don't think it's going to. Uh... I'm. I'm in the minority. I. I. I think it'll be. Uh... I think it'll be like a flash in the pan. I think the novelty will wear off pretty quick. Really? Yeah,
0: yeah. I I, I see it the other way. Okay. Um,
1: only because. Well, I also know that the the people are, are far less willing to, to book to book bets and and unless circa forces everyone's hand mm-hmm. and they're the only ones that could. Uh, I, I have mad respect for the guy who works there and uh, Matt Metcalf and and especially when he told me that he used to listen to me in a starters line and learned a lot from me. That was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, And I told him, I said, listen, you know, if I, have, if I can fly out here and help you, just tell me. I'll be out here on my dollar. I don't want a fucking dollar from you for yeah. anything. But you guys are the only hope to save sports betting. What about wrestling? That's of how bro? bad it's, it's gotten.
0: Uh, are you speaking specifically to the United States market, or, or does this include like it's over It's pretty much,
1: pretty much everywhere. Yeah. They take smaller bets. They throw you out if they think you know what you're doing because mm-hmm. uh, they've lost the art of bookmaking. Like right. I described before, there's an art to bookmaking sure. where you have a market. You have X number of dollars on one side. You have X number of dollars on one side. Who bet what on each yeah, side? Yeah. Yep. And you arrive at a number that'll be a good one to bet at. They're still laying you 11 to 10. That's a pretty yeah, yeah. massive edge. Yeah, for sure, right? for sure. Casinos probably would live on that edge. Yeah, 100%. Which, by the way, I hate the term fucking flipping because what Jackson against Ace King is like 56.44. You could buy a fucking Ferrari in here if you got it in 56.44 the rest of your life, right? So who came big, up with that fucking term? It, it's,
0: it's a big misunderstanding. People don't, math is messy man it's too exact it's too precise right it's it, language and math do not collide very well at
1: all yeah I've always had a hard time with that term I never understood it but yeah
0: well that's because you live on you live on fractional edges you know like one not, or two but percent but I'm not a math you, guy yeah yeah but like one or two percent of you you know is the difference between eating and not yeah so it's like if you it's you're, massive yeah yeah if you're 56 48, or 56-44 uh, yeah. that's uh, that, insane that's, that's huge yeah, yeah it's you, ridiculous you can't ask for
1: like, more. how can you do better right Anyway, uh, so, so I'm this guy who's uh, having a complete breakdown at the age of 13 but finds peace of mind at the racetrack, comes to Vegas, finds he has talent for betting sports, and off I went. Mm-hmm. The reason I feel I'm an, an abject failure is I would have been a great high school English teacher, and, but they didn't make any money. And part two to that is I'm playing it totally safe here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm doing something I'm good at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why and is that playing it safe though?
1: Because I'm good at it. I just I'm a natural. Is that I, what
0: we should do? Like, shouldn't we invest our time and resource in not the if I could were...
1: not if I could have helped help a bunch of kids out by being a high school English teacher? Sure. What the fuck did I do? I made a shit ton of money and blew it. Yeah. Big fucking deal. Yeah. yeah. And I just completely copped out. However, well, from 80, 82 to eighty nine, when I did coke every night and got drunk every night and realized that that had to stop,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I now went to the gym and. Mm-hmm. I, I became a fucking animal. I had a personal trainer for I don't know how many years and went five days a week. I had the living crap beaten out of me. And the proudest moment of my life came in the gym, which I think I described to you, when having just done a four-exercise superset on chest to open our show, uh, I'm struggling to walk because I'm completely exhausted. We did four sets of eight on four exercises with a minute's rest between. It was just completely insane. Yeah. Like This guy was like completely out of his fucking tree. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a human being. I'm not a fucking machine, you sure, know? Sure, sure. So now, you know, that look where you're sitting, sitting between, between your legs and you can't move. And he's there, well, we're going to do a burpee, exploding, pull up, four sets of eight. And I looked at him. I picked my head up from beneath my legs. I said, why do you fucking mind? <laughs> and he says, so you're just going to be a pussy your whole fucking life? You're like, fuck you. I got up and I did it like it was nothing. Yeah. Four sets of eight, burpee, exploding, pull up, like it was nothing. I couldn't even stand. Yeah. yeah. And I realized that even though I thought I was giving my all. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. It's all mind over matter. I was just really tired. Right. But really tired doesn't mean you can't keep going. Yeah. We've and unless you lot. learn that by experiencing it, you don't know. Like he, I, I was I was so mad at him, like I was giving it I, I was trying my ass off. yeah, I was dead and I'd keep going. Yeah. but I had X number more and didn't know it. and I'll work out after that I'd gotten insane because now it's just all mine over. Yeah. I just I knew it didn't matter how tired I was. I'd just keep going. Yeah, everybody needs to break under someone else's will at some point, right That's the only way to shatter a ceiling. So I went to a place where I'm not comfortable the gym mm-hmm. and succeeded. That's su- that's what I think is success. Yeah. I was not an abject failure in a gym. I was a massive success there. Sure. In life, I I'm good at bat, I'm good at handicapping sports. I'd probably really I think I actually have more poker talent than sportsman talent, by the way, but I've never really uh applied myself to poker nor. There's a lot less I. money. What?
0: There's a lot less money. The ceiling's a lot lower.
1: Yeah, and it, and it's kind of tough now anyway, right? Yeah. I'm sure it's, you know, the novelty's worn off. A lot of the dead money is had enough yeah i mean you know, it's just a small market it's, it's unfortunate to say but it's a small market
0: it's very difficult to grow um and that was kind of why i asked you like do you think that uh the the media surge of kind of glamorizing sports betting will have an effect on the
1: market because i think i think it depends if if if, if the right people get hired to talk mm-hmm. unfortunately there's a minuscule amount of people who beat this and most of those are guys who create algorithms Sure, or simulations or whatever they do. I, 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 this is really foreign to me, so I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Talk. Yeah. Uh, and how do you get on a TV show and talk about your fucking algorithm as to how you came up with the winner? Right. You're not gonna be a very exciting guest. Well, you might be, but you're not gonna be all that. But old to Boston share. here. Yeah. I'm just reading game stories and winging it. Yeah. I can talk. We could have like a fireside chat with Boston every week. You. I would be very good at allowing the masses to understand
0: why I, would, I like a game. I would love to see that. You wearing like a tweed jacket sitting with your leg
1: crossed in front of a fire. I, I would be more Timothy Chalamet, like a little wild dresser, but. <laughs> Newspaper out, going through the box score. <laughs> nope. No box scores. I, I look at the box scores quickly to see if there are any anomalies in shooting. But yeah. I'm strictly, how did the game play out? And what does this team typically play to? And let's not deviate much from that. And yeah. That's the struggle sometimes when your team, when you're wrong about a team and they lose by 50 and then 30, you have to have the wherewithal to know, I'm still right about this team. Yeah, yeah, right. And stick with your guns. Yeah. And that's when it gets tricky. And and I'm sure that's happened to 100%. You you know, you've, all right, let me try this and, you
0: know, you run into uh, it and, you know, you live.
1: Right. What
0: what were some of the, like, the high water marks throughout all this. It doesn't even necessarily have to be sports betting. I know you kind of mentioned the gym thing. That was a huge success to you, but like there was a a moment moment on a radio show that
1: I'm very proud of, which I'd like to relate. Sure. So I did the stardust line for years in the early two thousands. And I typically came on when college basketball when college football was ending, Mm -hmm. but they happened to have me on, uh, for some bowl games, the first hour and college basketball, the second hour. And, uh, the host was John Kelly and, Dave Coken, who's a local tout, nice guy, and I do think he tries. He's just not overly talented, sure. so he's. But I, th- I think he's kind of legit in that he tries to help his customers. Yep. Uh, and he he was he he listened, you know. So you know he knew that he was with someone who knew what he was doing. So mm-hmm. he didn't try to be some loudmouth. I'm going to take over the show, which he typically would do. Yeah. So I I, I kind of liked him. Uh. So anyway, they get onto the Peach Bowl, and John Kelly says, "Oh." as a, as a, as a predecessor to this, my roommate's younger brother, I was helping him with poker. Kid went to San Diego, brilliant kid, really mm-hmm. smart. Uh, doesn't, doesn't push himself, but he showed up at the Stardust line that night. We did the show out of the Stardust, where I was banned, by the way. It was kind of weird. I'm bought from the Stardust for telling the vice president he's a fucking asshole.
3: Yeah. Uh,
1: but I'm doing the show. Uh, so this kid walks in and I see him and so now we get on to the Peach Bowl where John Kelly says Georgia will be playing a stone's throw from their campus. And I said, and Jay, I'm saying this in your honor, Jay was the kid who walked in. I wonder if Shirley Jackson will be in attendance. And of course, no one has a fucking clue what I'm talking about. And I don't even know where I came up with it. Yeah. So to, to get this right, and I think we talked about this maybe, uh, Shirley Jackson wrote these macabre stories, a lot of them for the New Yorker magazine. But she's a well-published short story writer of the macabre. Okay. Her fam- most famous story is one that I read in high school as a junior. It's called The Lottery. It takes place in Vermont. Once a year, all the town folks throw their names in a hat and they draw one name out and that's the winner of the lottery. I read. But the winner too. of the lottery gets stoned to death. Yeah. So stones throw from their campus. I wonder if Shirley Jackson will be in attendance. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Right.
1: Jay's laughing his ass off. Jay got it. The rest of the fucking country or the...
0: It's funny. I read that story in high school, and would have had no idea. Right. I don't
1: even know where it came from. Yeah. But that's just it. There's there's your gut. Yeah. yeah speaking yeah. to you. Yeah. And it, and it just came out of my mouth, and I was like, wow, that was cool. Like, yeah. That was really fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. One kid on a forum, Jimmy Vaccaro, who's a famous bookmaker from out here, from Pittsburgh. Sure. He uh, he called me and says, you know, someone's ex- told you this is why Bo- this is why Boston's the man on the radio. He has a mind like a uh, like a steel trap and. And he explained the Shirley Jackson reference, yeah. which no one in the fucking country understood. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was like, that was one of my high water marks. was that. That's awesome. Moment on radio. Uh, another, another was, uh, again, you know, what we were dealing with in the early nineties was nowhere to get information. Mm-hmm. A friend calls me up and he says, uh, knowing I'm from the Boston area, he says, I just heard Harvard's best player got hurt. I said, really? I said, he's only, he's only like a borderline pro prospect, and they never get them there. Yeah. Like, this would be massive. So I call my friends. Is there anything in the newspaper? No. Harvard's not. Harvard basketball is not, until they hired Tommy Amaker and sold out and cheated recruiting and let kids in who probably can't, probably aren't really deserving of sure. a Harvard education. Yeah. Anyway, you know, it's money. It's just money. Uh, there's nothing written about. But I remember WNBR in Cambridge. I used to listen to jazz on WNBR in Cambridge that's the Harvard station. Mm -hmm. I call him up. I said, listen, I'm from Springfield, mass and I'm doing a a little story for the local paper. There's a kid playing tonight at the game. Could I possibly listen to the preview? And he said, sure. Call back in 15 minutes. I call back in 15 minutes. She says one minute, she hooks me up. I I'm now I'm into the Harvard broadcast. The first thing he says, bad news for Harvard fans. So-and-so slipped on ice and broke his leg this afternoon. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how the fuck did someone find this out? Like, I'm telling you, this is the dark ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't yeah. get a score. There's yeah. no internet to, to go read about, by the way, someone just tweeted this guy broke his leg. Yeah, yeah,
0: of course, of course.
1: And I called my friend up. I said, well, <laughs> good news. And, you know, and I liked, I liked Boston. They were, they were playing Boston College, mm-hmm. who's five minutes away. So they, there was an implied home advantage that didn't belong. It was during exam time, so there's no one at the fucking game anyway. Right. Right. Uh, and this was just a really good spot for Boston College. Meanwhile, Mr. Walters had met Harvard. So the game had gone from 11 down to like 8. Yeah. And now the game, I, I told my buddy, I said, you got the right information. And it was stealing. They were up 22 to 2 or something. They won by like 50. Yeah. It was completely stealing. But that little creative way to figure out how to find the information out was how you had to do it back then. Yeah. There was no solvers. There was right, no right, right. going to the internet and read it. You had to figure everything out on your own. And I think I think that's kind of a lost art today. And 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 if the if the, the, the math guys can infuse some of that, like you talked about, mm-hmm. be these free-thinking, creative people with the foundation of this yep. is the right way to do it, yep. supposedly. Uh, that's the ultimate, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, that's the nature of technology advancing is that our refined skills become more and more obsolete. Machines- they don't have to, though. No, no well, well, hear me out. Machines become infinitely more efficient at anything iterative. Right, So like right. when it comes to uh, any sort of speculation on our behalf, they'll just be way more accurate. But what we have is the ability to think freely. We're not restricted to the algorithm that, that is programmed within us. So we always will have the creative force that can basically build a better machine. right? So each iteration of that machine as it goes forward is kind of programmed off the back of us thinking beyond the scope of where we were
1: when we made the first one. Right. And I think like that's what you're you're speaking to. Right, that's what you do with poker, right? You try to yeah. like take an opposite approach. That's why I called you an iconoclast. Yeah. Yeah. That's One who fair. challenges social norms. Yeah. That's, but that's right. Mm. What? why do what everyone else does? You must find some other way to do it and, and then just make it better. Yeah. And make sure you beat the crap out of them. And and Yeah. You know, I, I, and my think, basketball my basketball handicapping has constantly
0: evolved. I, I think in any market there's always going to be three tiers. They're going to be the pioneers, they're going to be the first adopters. And then they're going to be the losers who are, or, or the dumb money, that that's kind of like following the trail two steps behind. Right, that makes sense. And you know, if you want to be the absolute elite in any sort of industry, you have to be the pioneer. And with the pioneer comes a lot of fucking risk, right? Like you just get it wrong right. some of the time, and and you're going to be proven by other pioneers that that you're you're wrong, and that's okay. You have to learn from it. That's yeah, all. you just have to live, learn, and adjust. Uh, the 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 first movers, they're Gonna do well because they have first mover advantage, but they're never gonna do as well as the those inventing the
1: original strategies. What you just never want to be is the 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 fun money on the outside, which is what I was trying to say on two plus two. Yeah, don't be copycats. Yeah, exactly. Know? Be creative, be innovative, and yeah. wing it. Yeah, you and, like
0: and you're right. You're absolutely right. The masses ultimately become the fun money that's just fueling the first movers and the pioneers.
1: And 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 if I can go back at, on the object failure thing, I've actually. After Jeffrey Maher and Rufus Peabody are talking about how smart I am, like, I never thought of myself as very smart, but obviously that's not true. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I went to Penn. I'm not an idiot. It's yeah. just, that's just a fact. Uh, boy, am I gonna come, I'm going to come across like a fucking condescending asshole. all <laughs> I was almost, I, at the beginning, I used a lot of psychology in my handicapping. I used a lot of energy theory. Sure. Uh, how much energy is this team going to have for this game? They're off the home run effort. And they figure to fall off a little bit, or they're yeah. playing their third game in five days, and yeah. they're a little shorthanded. They may crack. Mm-hmm. There was always like a breaking point. That's, yeah, yeah, that's not. I don't want to get into that. That's it. That's getting a little too uh, into it, and it's very, very personal. But you're to me. in the meta, basically. But, uh I don't know what that is.
3: Well,
0: well, you know, you're you're basically. Uh, I'm really quanti- I'm really old school. <laughs> yeah, you're just quantifying the
1: unquantifiable.
3: Okay, right. There, Fair there's
0: enough.
1: no way to measure.
3: Fair enough. In, in
0: any capacity, but yeah. it's obviously worth something.
1: Right. So. When I lost about, I think we lost like a half a million betting these type of games, these mm-hmm. psychology games, these energy games, and I finally did realize it. At least I realized that, albeit like a half a million later, but sure. I only had half of it, so it was only two hundred fifty thousand for me. Yeah, sure. Wouldn't I like to have two hundred fifty thousand now? <laughs> uh, but <laughs> at the time, it really wasn't a lot. Yeah, and 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 it, and I was very proud to. Throw out something that worked for twenty years, completely toss it out the window. Yeah. I still fight it, by the way. Yeah, yeah because sure. logically, if you just played your best game, you figure to fall off the next game. But these kids are like fucking robots now, yeah. and there's so much money on the line, and the coaches are making millions of dollars. They're not letting these kids off the hook, right? Right? They're up thirty. They're still all over the place. The starters are in half the time. I don't, I don't, I don't understand that logic at all. But yeah, they're just preparing them for the ultimate, the NCAA tournament, yeah. where the school can make this whole shit ton of money with that B, billion-dollar TV contract. Mm -hmm. So the game, I felt, changed because it went from the kids playing three sports to the kids playing one sport and becoming, they were much more athletic. The gym became more relevant to all golfers going to the gym now, like... You know, uh, I you'd would, whack as with a four-iron as a kid saying, yeah. you know, you uh, I
3: would
0: I would argue that the majority of D1 athletes and beyond probably spend as much, if not more time in the gym that, than they do at practice.
1: Right. But that didn't happen back in my day. Yeah. No, no, no. I, right. I remember
0: how big of a deal it was when Jordan found weights. Right. Like in, I think it was like 93 or something like that. He hit the weight room for like for the first time ever. Right. Because he was tired of getting powered by the Knicks, you know, trying to, to play in the paint. It's like, how is this only becoming a thing in the
1: 90s? Gyms existed forever, right? But they were almost frowned upon. Yeah, they really were. It was it was kind of weird. Like people, some some kids are actually like laughed at. Yeah. Now it's a problem where kids thirteen years old are 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 want to look good. They want abs. You know, they yeah. want they want to get laid. And 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 they it's become too important to them. I read an article on it in, in England where it's it's actually a major battle now with parents and kids. Like the kids getting up at four in the morning and and working out and then coming home from school and working out and. You know, maybe just working biceps and chest and maybe a yeah. little bit of abs and forgetting about legs and not really not doing it maybe optimally because yeah. he wants to look good. Sure. Because looking good is becoming more important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Me having never been good looking, wouldn't know what that's like, but <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's con actually the other way now where the gym has maybe become too important. Aesthetics are becoming like such a but the gym was priority. The gym was off limits to like basketball players and golfers and, and all and all. I heard all that sorts. growing up in baseball.
0: It's like, oh, you want to be a baseball player? Like you don't want to mess up your uh, your ability to throw. You don't want to get tight, right? right? But that's it's silly. It's silly. That's not how muscles work. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's completely you know.
1: irrelevant. And and so again, I go back to the gym, which is the one real proud part of my existence. Mm-hmm. Is is I went in a place where I had no comfort at all, and I won. Yeah. So that's how the whole failure thing and the whole that that's that's what I feel. Yeah. I I, I have felt pride in that I've been able to adapt to the more modern basketball game. They've shortened shot clocks. When I first started, good coach versus bad coach with a 45-second shot clock, the good coach had a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. He could control tempo. Mm-hmm. Athletes go nuts when they have to defend for 44 seconds against teams running really good offense. Oh, we saw and, this in Dean the team Smith, right? With the... Uh, with the well, he, he, was, he, he was an idiot. He had the best <laughs> players and he's going four corners. He's, right, just, yeah. he's a moron. But he took advantage of the rules. Yes. Which exactly. is why they had to change him. But, but so there was no shot clock back then. Right, right. Then they went to 45 seconds, which... Which, I'd love Very that. Long. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, that would that would make me, that would probably get me back to wealthy pretty quickly. Pitt would become
0: relevant again. They uh, love playing 55-44 Not games. Even, not with the new coach. Not yeah. not with cable. Fair. That that'll change. That's fair.
1: Yeah, but Duquesne's got the nuts. Duquesne's got Keith Dembro. He's he's the shit. He's the best. He's the best at the press conference. He's brutally honest. He's he's us. Yeah. He was LeBron James coach, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, he, he was at Akron for years. He was fantastic. I mean, he gets the absolute max out of what he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't have a home advantage last year. They were all playing all over the place, Duquesne. It was kind of weird, but they're building some new facility because yep. the yeah. program has been elevated and now they can put money into it. And now the boosters are getting involved. And mm-hmm. that and and, and, and there because his dad was there. Right. And he wants to make the program relevant again. It's really yeah. he's really a cool guy. So Pitt should be proud of him for sure. He's 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 the shit. Uh uh, how did I end up there? So, so yeah, the last couple of years where I've allowed the youth with their more modern approach, where I kind of eliminated their modern approach and just took what I needed, but I willingly taught them everything I know. Yeah. Which is stupid because one of the kids in particular wants to be involved in sports betting. And, in fact, I recommended Circa. I recommended this kid to Circa for a job, mm-hmm. which is going to hurt me big right. time. This yeah, kid yeah. knows how I do it. Yeah. He's going to make much better numbers than... They're current then our current mm-hmm. and Circa I think is going to be the place to bet. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be blowing half points and points because this kid knows how I think. Right. And and he knows it's right cuz he saw how much we won the last two years. It's it's it was crazy. Like I had the two best years of my life the last two years at 62 61 62 years old. 60 yeah. and 61 sixty it's crazy. Yeah. And naturally last year when we were about to kill the NCAA tournament COVID the shit show hit. Yeah. Uh, at least didn't start. I had a really good week the week before, so thank God it didn't happen the week before that. Cause, yeah, yeah. I think I went six and zero that last Sunday when they were all they're all like really big bets. Like the last game of the year, if you're a few points off, it's like massive. Sure. Because by then almost everybody should have arrived at the same ratings. Uh yeah. Anyway, uh, other highlights uh, being you know when I had money, I was I was a good egg. Like everyone was taken care of. Yeah. Even. There was a Wednesday night movie series at uh, a community center on the other side of town, and I'd, I'd attend it even though it was basketball season. Because I, like I said, I'm a movie buff. I wanted to be a film critic. That, that's what I wanted to be, truly wanted to be. But I couldn't write, so I, ironically, I learned how to write. I write extremely well. Uh, I didn't learn much else at Penn, but there were a couple couple good classes that that I still remember. Uh, and they were running these Super 8 reels, like old school, and it kept breaking. And finally, I told the guy, how much fucking money do you need? We, we can't keep doing this. Yeah, yeah, And I just said, you know, I just hand him $12,000. Here, take it. Yeah. You know, and, and that was it. You know, I, I just, my willingness to be generous. You know, I grew up with nothing. I grew up in what they call the hood now. We called it limited income housing. I don't want my mother to hear that we grew up in the hood. She'll be right. pissed at me. But yeah. it was limited income housing. Yep. Uh, and we had a whole mixed bag of people. Like, you know, it, it, this whole racism thing, I don't understand that either. I'm not going to go there because it, 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 I, I'll end up offending somebody. But I don't get it. I got my mind doesn't even understand it. I can't and 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 so that that statement is why I struggle to win in poker against bad players. Yeah. Because what they do doesn't enter my mind.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it's just a matter of where you're looking. Like what need, lens. I would you're need through. a lot more
1: reps. Yeah.
0: And it's also just a matter of like what lens you're looking through. You know, it's like, obviously, racism exists at some capacity. I don't understand it, though. Obviously. But it's born out of ignorance. Uh, and if you zoom out, it's born out of class warfare. Right? So, like, you probably struggle more so than anybody else to understand it because you grew up in a mixed community, all impoverished. you all got I And mean, you're all impoverished. Right? Yeah. So, at the end of the day, like... This really boils down... We had food down. on the table. I mean, yeah, it was a yeah, disaster. Sure, yeah, sure, we, sure. We had no money. But like, yeah, I get it too. I was it's on like, the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, I grew up dirt poor as well. And sure. it's like, you understand, like whenever you have that thread in common... We didn't do vacations. Right. right. You just look to survive together. You know what I mean? But like once you get outside of that class and you find yourself in the middle upper, now all of a sudden it's a war of haves and have-nots. And that distills down to race, which is sad because it's like, can you imagine being on the side of being well off and then also disliking somebody because they represent uh, a lower class of people financially. I it doesn't it just doesn't register, right? We I mean we basically put a black face to the the impoverished crowd and, and that that's
1: a sad state of affairs. I would I would I would rather say the native americans got way more fucked over than any other for sure people. For sure. So why the fuck is no one mentioning that? Yeah. That is what's so fucking aggravating. We completely annihilated races the brits came over here and destroyed christopher columbus is the biggest fucking scumbag that ever walked the face of this earth yeah and we're praising this moron like i, I mean he just wiped out populations i, I think we're I, so finally circling around on yeah. that of understanding Let's, columbus
0: isn't the national
1: hero we yeah, thought he thank was god uh um, but, but yeah but, yeah but you know this, this yeah so we put a black face but the native americans man yeah they were pure they were amazing yeah, yeah. There, there's I play at Mohegan once in a while. And one of the dealers here is, is Native American. And I talked to him nonstop. We go and talk. And I, he invited me to a powwow, which, of course, COVID screwed that up. Sure. Uh, and I'm so fascinated by, by their traditions. And, 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 but they do everything right. Mm-hmm. Like, we'd have an environment if, they, if we followed their rules. Right. And unfortunately, I, I watched a movie called The Nightingale the other day. This lady did a movie called Barbara Duke, which was a horror movie that was absolutely amazing, mm-hmm. Australian lady. But then she did The Nightingale, and it was raved about. So I watched it uh, last week. And again, here we have the Brits going to Australia to settle it. Yeah. And they're wiping out the Aborigines. Yeah. yeah so they yeah, did the same yeah. fucking thing in Australia as they did here. Like, yeah. Same scumbags 40 years later.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, if we look throughout the history of man, that that's,
1: it's been divided. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that, that Native Americans have been brought up about yeah. someone whose lives matter. And by the way... I took a lot more shit for being Jewish than any black kid did in my neighborhood because sure. a black kid would have beaten the crap out of him and you know someone did call me a kike and I did break his nose and that was the last time that happened yeah but I had come I moved from the city to suburbia so I was probably a little toughened up and I wasn't gonna take any shit from anybody anyway I still don't and that's sure. led to me to getting hit rather hard by people three times my size but <laughs> oh well I'm not gonna back down uh so,
0: yeah, so I, there you go. I, I guess arriving at current day, then what, what does the, the near future look like? And then like, what does the long term look like for me? Yeah. uh, Like near term, we don't really have sports. It's just starting to resurface. College. Yeah, but we're it's not, sure not, not going to be any
1: college sports this year. Right. Right. There's I no kind of chance. Agree. That'd be so stupid. Yeah. Like how sick of these programs. Like they're hoping the kids get, they are trying to get the kids sick in the summers. So they wouldn't be sick for football. I, it's I just, don't it's just it. complete sickness. Yeah. yeah. It really yeah. is. Money is just, Ruining the world. Yeah,
0: and like the major uh, league sports
1: are already proving that this is a failed experiment. Well, the you can't Marlins have managers, managers managers decide if a guy's COVID positive whether he should play or not. Like, right. There's something called doctors out there, you know. Yeah. yeah. You're a baseball fucking manager. You're yeah. Like, bite your fucking tongue. Right. And it's also like week one, and the Marlins are off the schedule. Right. So it's like, okay, well, <laughs> I don't know why they didn't cancel baseball. It's, it's, it's uh, I, it, I, I'd be shocked if. They but the NHL there. and the ABA they and the UFC for sure are handling it properly. They're also as small. best you can.
0: Yeah, they're also very small. I think the NFL is going to, we're going to see mass struggles there as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, know, how, I don't know how it's going to work. 53-person team, it's just like, what shot do you have?
1: Basketball, you have, what, 12, 15? I still don't think there'll be basketball. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it will be college basketball. No, no, I agree, I agree with I'm pr- you. I'm praying there you. is. I agree with you. Believe me, I'm praying there is. Because sure. I am, like, I am at the peak of my yeah career. I had the, I didn't make the most money I made last year, because you have to have money to bet. Sure, sure, sure. But I, my work was, I always evaluate the work even if you lose a bet, you might've had made a good bet. Yeah, Right. You might, you can play a poker hand really well and get sucked out on and and so be it. Yep. And that's why good players have to learn how to lose because they're going to get sucked down a lot more because they're going to have their money and good a lot more. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're a good player, learn how to lose. In fact, you have to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. That's probably a good message to uh, get out there. I think it's really Uh, accurate. Yeah. Uh, Like, you. Yeah. You know what you know what's weird about me is I have all bad sports betting habits. I have all good poker habits. I don't steam. <laughs> yeah. I quit games if they suck. If I play a hand bad, I get up from the table if I think I've played a hand maybe suboptimally yeah. to my to what to my abilities to what I can think. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking like I'm some fucking great poker player. You do player. the opposite in sports though. You'll like fire if you're on um, tilt. I'm a, yeah, I'm I, I, well I bet I bet too much on stuff that I know nothing about just on a whim. Yeah. So I'm a degenerate. Yeah. I'm a degenerate gamble who became successful. Okay. That's, that's what I am. I'm very, I'm a, I work 24-7. Don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm, no one outworks me in, in, in basketball. I, I work the entire day, the entire night, go to bed, wake up, and start working again. Mm-hmm. And the gym was the only thing that interrupted that. And that's, that's gone away from me for the last few years, too. Uh, I was out here in March to actually try to get my name out here. And then COVID hit. And I heard they were going to close the airports down. So I flew back to Connecticut. Uh, what got me back out here was I did not handle COVID well. I basically was alone in a home uh, that I got from my great Dane who I had to put to sleep. Uh, And we had this trip planned with my mother this year. She's gonna be 82 in September 1st and that got canceled. And now, you know, it's not, I'm alone here and and there's only so much Netflix you can occupy your time with. I took tap dancing lessons, that stopped. (laughs) I would have beat myself up as a kid for taking tap dancing. It's the most fucking fun I've had in my life. I absolutely love it. I have no rhythm at all dancing, but tapping, you don't need it. Sure. but that stopped too. And, and you know, I could have just practiced that. I could do push-ups, sit-ups and everything, but I really fell into a real bad routine. Mm -hmm. And my mind, when you have a lot of time by yourself, your mind can take over. And I had three months of almost no sleep. I probably got two hours of sleep a night. And even if I woke up after two hours, I wasn't falling back asleep. Yep. And I had to do something about it. And I know I know how to live healthy out here. Mm -hmm. So I called a friend. I said, do you mind if I come out and stay? And since he lived with me when he was homeless for a couple of years, he immediately said yes. And, uh, this has been a very successful trip. I'm, I've slept every night. I'm going to the gym every day. I'm eating a lot better. Uh, and I'm hoping that I, I'm leaving August 15th. I'm hoping by then I've de- developed enough of a foundation where I feel good enough about myself, where I don't have a complete collapse when I go back to Connecticut sure. and start being a drug addict and living unhealthy again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be a battle. It's, it's going to be very, uh, anxiety. Uh, well, understanding mortality at 13 can make life very, very difficult. Sure. Uh, what stopped that actually was I, I had gone three nights in a row without sleep. And and if, if Mitch's bipolar illness, uh, did one thing, it, his doctor, uh, was, he, he became Mitch's doctor as a favor to a friend of mine. A friend said, will you please help these guys out? And he works at a reservation because you can't do anything on government state hospitals. He can actually do proper work. This guy's in it for the right reasons. John Hopkins, med school grad, really smart guy. And he would come to my house and talk to Mitch mm-hmm. and charge me a hundred bucks. Like they get like five, six hundred an hour, these guys. Yeah. But he's driving to my house 45 minutes because it's the right thing to do. Right. So when I was having a breakdown out here, uh, I called him up and he met me at the Charleston Library. And he put me on, I, I told him, I said, you know, my mind just runs away at night. It's the point where are almost afraid to go to sleep. And I just go to places that are just too scary. When you venture into the unknown, you know, it, it could get panic-laden. I had panic attacks and, and a lot of sleepless nights and, and I needed help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, that's part of a depression. Really? I said, I've been depressed for 40 years? He said, probably. Yeah. And he put me on something called Remron. He said it's very specific for your, what he called ruminating. Ruminating is obsessing on painful thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while on Remron, I arrived at this very simple, logical c- conclusion. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm going to live this existence, whatever it is. I have two choices. I can live it happy or I can live it sad. Mm-hmm. Well, logically, yeah, you've got to live it happy. Yeah. So that simple bit of logic, and I'm a logical guy, anytime my brain started going, I would just stop. Stop. Don't go there. And I've been able to do that. Unfortunately, living in a home by yourself, uh, and now you're doing drugs, and now I'm doing some maybe heavy-duty drugs, and 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 really just falling apart. Like, yeah, the anxiety was just too much. Yeah, uh, I, I was still able to control my brain, thank God, because that would have been the end of me. But I still had panic attacks, and and I was on the verge of like you know really collapsing in a heap. And my doctor wouldn't do anything. Yeah, because I'm not going to get into Obamacare ruining our healthcare system. But it did. Sure. Because uh, the government doesn't belong in anything, which is why Joe Jorgensen's the automatic candidate to vote for this year uh she's brilliant anyway uh we'll get we'll get into libertarianism uh so i came out here to to save myself basically and mm-hmm. thank you know i don't want to say knock a wood and sound cliche, but so far so good and yeah. you know it's a matter of whether i can hang on when i get back there i'm praying that there's tennis to bet or something where i could just delve into something and give it time i can play in house games in connecticut but they rake 20 dollars, and you know and, and, yeah. and it's probably still beatable but you know, we are taking 20 out of pot, paying 2-5. Yeah. They play 2 five ten actually. So the game, they, but it's, no one buys in tough. for enough. It's, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Have uh, you considered,
0: uh, you know, doing anything else, like, around your interest? Be it, uh, you know, I know you mentioned maybe doing a podcast, doing other, some sort of, like, long-form media, be it writing or speaking. I have
1: four people I can interview that would be knockout home run interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I have. If there was a basketball season and I knew it for sure, I have an unbelievable idea for a podcast where I would go over every game on the board, what what the line opened, what it closed, why I liked the side, and why why it won or why it lost. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime I've done my little Twitter reviews, yep. they've been very very they've been responded to very a lot. Mm-hmm. People seem to like the little blurbs yeah. about you know a succinct. It's really digestible. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and I I don't I I. I know it worked. I don't know how it worked, but that's it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's readily digestible, right? Yeah. And, and it had relevant stuff mentioned in there. Yeah, yeah, I would right. say good things in a succinct way. Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying, I remember years ago, someone asked me if I would go over the card on a Saturday, and he, it was a conference call. This is a long time ago. And it started off where he had X number of people on the conference call, and then he had to turn people down because he couldn't fill it up because it became that popular. i go over the whole Saturday car, which is nuts. Yeah, yeah. I had no right to be doing that, but yeah. like I said, I've always been pretty giving of myself, and I don't really care if I teach people how to do it, because they still have to be able to do it. right? Uh, yeah, so a podcast, I think, would be an absolute home run if there was a season, mm-hmm. because that's simple, just going over the games, never mind everything else, and never mind that I, I, I can be rather quick-witted when I'm in a good place, and yeah. you know, I am polarizing, which is good yeah, for agreed. podcasts yeah, and radio. Uh, and I do know what I'm doing. I'm I'm not knocking myself. I'm good. Uh, and, it, and, and, and I can t- speak to the masses. I can speak to the smarts and I can speak to the masses. Mm-hmm. The blue collar guy could understand why I like the game. Cause I could explain it. Yeah. I always wanted to be a teacher. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I taught these kids. They got it all. Mm-hmm. And, and I could do the same to the masses and I don't care. It's, it's fine here. Here's what I know. You know, do what you want with it. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, my friend is handling the podcast thing, and, and he told me there's two ways of doing it. You can do the cheap way or the expensive way. But when he talked to the people who did the expensive way, they've called him back like 10 times because they do know me, mm-hmm. and they do think that they don't have any sports betting guys. They handle the uh, – who's the guy in Atypical? Uh, Atypical is the, the, yeah. the, the, the best show on TV. I know the show. I don't know the show. It's the best show in the world. Yeah. It's unbelievable TV. That's it. Atypical, everybody. There's going to be season four, and that's it, but it's an unbelievable show on, it, on yeah. Netflix genius the father in that show does a podcast on fantasy mm-hmm. and it's wildly successful i forget his name he's a new yorker uh but anyway those people do his podcast so they have been involved with a wildly successful podcast mm-hmm. and they heard i was interested in doing a podcast and they won't stop calling this kid but if there's no season what am i gonna do just babble for an hour about i could you can lay the groundwork man i know but i i don't know i i, I want it to be good
0: yeah but you have a I fascinating like... backstory you have you have reach to people who also have great stories to tell you know, this is a great way to lay a foundation to set yourself up for when a season does come back. Okay. Honestly, like, I... I yeah, you choose. might enjoy listening to me, but yeah, I do how I, many people would, do. I'm, I'm kind of like... You sell yourself short. Out I, there. I, I You know, especially you have nothing to lose, right? If there's no season, you have nothing but time to kill.
1: But if I'm involving people who are, are, are super expensive and they're willing to... They, by the way, they said we'll, we'll do this for nothing for him, yeah, you know. yeah,
0: yeah. I want it to be good. It will be good. You got to trust yourself a little bit with this stuff. I, I think that like, you know, you, you had enough confidence to come on here and know that this was going to be a good riveting interview. And like, I think it came out great. I, I'm i
1: speaking a little bit for the audience, but I, I would, I, I, I would challenge that. But okay. Uh, that's, but that, that's me. I, you're you know, very self-deprecating. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but like, you know, the poker audience in, in particular, we don't get enough insight into the gambling world as a whole. And I think this is a good eye-opening experience I'm that. definitely a
1: trendsetter. I mean, I I I'd readily admit that.
0: We barely scratched the surface. It's like, you know,
1: if you had the opportunity... Yeah, I, could for, I could talk for hours about right, college basketball. If,
0: if you had the opportunity to spend 10 episodes really painting the picture of your entire life story and how you
1: came to be... Which is kind of what you wanted to do.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I don't have 10 hours, but like right. I, I certainly would be a fan. I would listen. I want to hear all the old school stories. I want to hear like you know, running from casino to casino. I want to hear like some of blast. the, you know, some of the shit you got into. It's like, I know it wasn't friction free. You know, I know, you know, someone who had something, ha- you know, there's a lot on the bone that I would strongly encourage you to, you know, spend some time, flesh it out and and maybe have a project. Okay. All right, anyway, uh, I really appreciate this. This is fantastic. Not a problem. Anytime. I want to do it again. Uh, maybe next time you make it out, assuming there is or is not a season. I don't know. Um, let's put it on the books. Okay. I think there's a lot more to talk about. We're looking numbers. forward to your podcast
1: that will be coming out soon. Everybody can look for it. We hope. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking a chance on uh, you know someone who I, I don't think the poker players really do know me. So.
0: It's possible that they don't, but because I they're think... too
1: young. I'm from a different world. Yeah, I think I'm that an that's anachronism.
0: Fair. <laughs> I, th- I think that's somewhat fair, but I think you'll be pretty easy to find. They knew um, me in the 10K stud, though. What is your what is your Twitter handle for anybody? Who oh, wants I'm to look? uh, so or that,
1: at, at Boston Red 88 maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't even yeah. know, but I put mostly just music on there and some boring, some, some boring, occasional there. boring rants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I put tennis picks on there that have been winning. Yeah, uh, and I give my little reasons, you know, I. Put little borbs on there. I I I. It's too personal to me. I think to be some great follow. Sure,
0: I get it. Yeah, I I find you to be informative, and I think that like anybody who's into the world of sports betting, uh, should definitely give you a follow. They'll probably see the same. Um, yeah,
1: and I will say the kid that I raised uh, told me, you know, Mister Boston, why everyone likes being around you. I said, No, absolutely, I don't. He said, They all learn from you. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, don't sell yourself. I'm trying short. to get myself
1: credit. See, <laughs> I just know self deprecating is trying to say, you know, I'm not it's, an idiot and I yeah. do have something to offer. So, yeah, yeah. Like, I just don't think I'm a great follow on Twitter because my music, my taste in music is way, way different than most, and it's sure more the interesting than the current. Uh, yeah, it's not top 40. No, it's
0: fine. You're allowed. <laughs>
1: I do have my kid robot shirt on. From the old
0: old days. All right. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it for us. Uh, I really appreciate this. Thank you so much. We're definitely going to have to do it again. Uh, Safe trick back. And let's fingers crossed for a season. Yep. And keep being you. Thanks, man. Cheers.